morning, open them with me to Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. I think I said it at the beginning of the broadcast this morning, but happy Resurrection Day to you. And I like to remind you, uh, not just when it's Easter, but uh, uh, throughout the year, uh, that Jesus' resurrection uh, in and of itself is a very special event. But we need to personalize it and connect with it uh, on an individual level because what, what we're celebrating today is not just His resurrection, but your resurrection and my resurrection as well. The Bible says we were raised up together with Him to newness of life. We'll be looking at some verses that deal with that here in just a few minutes. But Romans chapter 8 and uh, verse number 15, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. And this bondage here is speaking of the bondage to sin. It's speaking of bondage to the, to the law. Uh, all the things that Jesus set us free from, um, we did not receive a spirit of, of bondage again to fear, but we did receive and have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if you'll notice, Spirit's used twice in verse 16. The first one's capitalized. This is speaking of the Holy Spirit of God, the third member of the Trinity. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. Remember, you are a spirit that possesses a soul and lives in a physical body. The real you is the spirit deep inside of you. And notice the Holy Spirit bears witness with your newly born uh, again spirit. Uh, bearing witness, confirming that we are children of God. And if we're children, and we are, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. Now, I'm going to talk about Easter this morning, but I want to join it together with things that we've already been talking about uh, on Sundays, dating back before we had to go to uh, you know, virtual live stream services only. And that is, Father desires to treat you like your sin never happened. Father desires to treat you like your sin never happened. Um, now what we see, in, without reviewing all of that, uh, is that in order for Him to be both just, a just God, a righteous God, as well as one who justifies you, um, Jesus had to get involved, and this is of course what He did, um, he took the blame and the punishment for our sin um, and took it away from us, lifted it off of us and carried it away. Such imagery in the Old Testament with the scapegoat and different things that they had in their law. But our sin was placed upon Jesus. He who knew no sin became our sin so that we could become His righteousness. So Father desires to treat you like your sin never happened. Easter is when we celebrate the fulfillment of the plan that made Father's desire a reality. In other words, His desire to treat you like sin never happened involved a very elaborate, multi-generational plan that culminated with Jesus coming to this earth through the womb of the Virgin Mary and to live a sinless life on our behalf, die for us, be buried for us, be raised for us, and ascend to the right hand of God the Father for us. Now, we've been looking at the fellowship and the inheritance that we have. And what we identified last Sunday in our time together from the Word of God is that we have the same fellowship with God the Father now as Jesus, and we have received the same inheritance from God the Father as Jesus. Same fellowship, same inheritance. And last week we also talked about grace 
really is amazing. And I felt in, in, impressed by the Holy Spirit to look that word amazing up. And the word amazing means to overwhelm with wonder. To overwhelm with wonder. So let me, without you know, trying to you know, be too uh, aggressive this morning, if your version of the gospel does not overwhelm you with wonder, I'm not sure you've got the right version of the gospel. Amen. If what Jesus has done for you doesn't overwhelm you with wonder, I'm not sure you fully understand what He's done for you. If who you became the day you became a new creation in Christ Jesus doesn't overwhelm you with wonder, I'm not sure you found out yet who you became the day you became a new creation in Christ Jesus. If the reality that you can do the works Jesus did and even greater works uh, than, than He did, you can do because He goes to the Father. Again, these things should overwhelm us with wonder. Grace really is amazing now verse 17 of the passage that we looked at this morning it says and if children then heirs and and if children then heirs and if children there's a whole lot of other things that's involved here uh, when uh when i teach on these things extensively um you know we look at what it means to be a child of god um, because if we're children that opens up a whole new world for us if if we're if we are the offspring of god if, if, if we are an heir of God, and we are, and if we are a co-heir with Jesus, and we are, then the, the ramifications of that, the, the, you know, what's included, what, what, what that means to us, what's involved, what, what we've been given because of that, again, is overwhelming with wonder. But where a lot of people get hung up is on this last phrase, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we also may be glorified together and so there are a lot of folks who believe that that we have to to physically suffer we have to you know personally suffer uh in order to uh inherit or or be an heir with jesus and this is absolutely positively not what this means i love the way the passion translation deals with verse 17 it says this and since we are true children we qualify to share all his treasures for indeed, we are heirs of God Himself, and since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that He is and all that He has. We will, listen to this last phrase here, we will experience being co-glorified with Him provided that we accept His sufferings as our own. Provided that we accept His sufferings as our own. So the idea of, 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 you know, the if here, uh, you know, in verse, the way it's translated in the King James, New King James, that we're joint heirs with Christ if indeed we suffer with Him. Um, you know, again, religion will always have you trying to earn what grace has freely given to you. And there are folks who believe that we, we have to endure all kinds of difficulty and pain and hardship in life in order to qualify for these things. Well, again, that's something else we've been talking about pretty much this entire uh, year uh, on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings, is that we are qualified by grace. We are qualified not by our works, but we're qualified by what Jesus has done for us. Now, if you're still a little skeptical and think maybe that we're taking too much liberties with the Word of God, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. In other words, what's, what's on the line here is 
uh, how are we qualified to be an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus? And the only thing that qualifies us is what Jesus has done for us. Remember, um, justified equals qualified. Uh, and, if, and if we haven't been justified, just as if I'd never sinned, then we are not qualified for fellowship with God or to be blessed uh, by Him, receive uh, you know, fellowship from Him. So, when it says, if indeed we suffer with Him, that key word there, with, we will experience being co-glorified with Him provided, meaning there's one thing that has to take place, that we accept His sufferings. He suffered so that you would not have to suffer. He became sin who knew no sin. He became poor so that those who were poor could become rich. It's this great exchange that Jesus uh, you know, undertook for us. Remember, He became a curse for you. He came under that curse with you, lifted it off of you so the blessing of Abraham could come upon you. Now, Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 9. It says this, And be found in Him, be found in Christ Jesus, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And by the way, the Bible teaches us that this is the only righteousness that is acceptable. No other righteousness is acceptable. Only one. Only one standard of righteousness, the right standing of Jesus. Amen. And the only way to receive that uh, right standing is to receive it as a gift freely given by faith. Right? So, verse 10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death. Okay? Now, the fellowship of His sufferings. Fellowship here means participation in. Right? Now let's pay very close attention to every word. This is not talking about you suffering to make yourself righteous. Nor is it talking about suffering persecution because you are a Christian. And certainly, um, we will deal with some uh, issues because we are believers. And, and Jesus talked to us about that, but that's a completely different subject. Notice here, that would be things that you suffer. That would be things that, that you deal with, hardship that you deal with, uh, because you are a believer. Maybe uh, some of our kids in school might be made fun of. Maybe our businessmen uh, who are you know, very vocal about their stand for Christ. There may be folks who don't do business with them. And certainly it could get uh, even more intense than that. All right? But again, this is not a requirement for you to be right before God in the eyes of God. So, what is he talking about? Participation in his sufferings. Notice it's the fellowship, participation in, and, and, the, and the, the clarifier here is his sufferings, the sufferings of Jesus, right? So, reckon Paul had some other things to say about this. He absolutely did. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I'll give you a minute to turn there. Praise God. Um, you saw me reach for my water there. It's not there, but I don't need it. It's fine. It's just a... A habit, one of those automatic go-to things. All right, amen. All right, Galatians 2.20, notice what Paul says. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Notice, this is, this is by the way, the Holy Spirit through Paul uh, wrote the passage in Romans 8. The Holy Spirit through Paul wrote the passage in Philippians 3. And the Holy Spirit through Paul wrote the passage in Galatians 2. So, notice here, 
He's talking about being crucified with Christ, being crucified together with Him. This is, this is what the Bible means when it talks about participation in His sufferings, the fellowship of His sufferings. Remember how the Passion Translation uh, translated the last phrase in Romans, the last sentence in Romans 8 and 17. We will experience being co-glorified with Him provided we accept His sufferings as our own. We accept His sufferings as our own. A participation in His sufferings. So Paul says, I was crucified with Christ. Right? How about 1 Peter 2.24? I'll give you a minute to turn there as well. 1 Peter 2.24. If you're taking notes, you can, you can jot these down as well. 1 Peter 2.24. Again, speaking of Jesus, it says this, Who Himself bore our sins in His own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. So notice here again the participation the participation in His sufferings. Who died? It says Jesus Himself bore our sins in His own body on the tree. But then notice it goes from speaking of Jesus individually to every born-again believer collectively. That we having died to sins. When did I die to sin? I died to sin when Jesus bore my sins on the cross. That's when I died to sin. Amen. And so... My participation in His sufferings, my fellowship in His sufferings, right, is for me to receive for myself what He has done for me. Amen. Or, or if we're going to really dial our doctrine in, our understanding in, it's not just that He died for me, He died as me. Amen. So, let's keep going here. By whose stripes you were healed. Okay? So we know that Jesus took stripes upon His back, not because He was sick and needed to be healed, but because we were sick and needed to be healed. Amen. And so notice in the same way that we were healed, past tense, we were healed when Jesus took the stripes upon His back, we were, um, uh, or we did die to sin. I have died to sin. And I died to sin when Jesus died to it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He, he's helping me, and I'm getting used to preaching without a, a, a congregation audience in front of me, okay? But I'm feeling like some of you are, are still getting hung up on this, so let me, let me take it slowly one more time. He Himself bore our sins in His own body on the tree. And when He did that as an individual, we all died to sin. Amen. This is what it means, provided that we... Um, accept His sufferings as our own. So notice the, the traditional religious understanding of these verses actually has it just the opposite. In other words, if you believe in order to be righteous, you have to suffer. If you believe in order to be right before God in the eyes of God and to be an heir of God and a co-heir with, with Jesus, that you've got to suffer some things in life to qualify for that, then then you are, you are on the uh, exact opposite side of what it was that Father God was trying to do uh, in Jesus uh, becoming your sin and suffering for you. Amen. Alright, now, let's go with this a little, a little deeper. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 4. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 4. It says this, Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, 
even so we also, we also, we also should walk in newness of life. So participation in His sufferings. Notice Jesus died on the tree, bore our sins in His body, and He died on the tree, and we died to sin. We were crucified with Him, Paul says. This is participation. Everyone who has believed on Jesus, amen, you are receiving for yourself, you have received for yourself what Jesus suffered for you. He took the blame and the punishment for your sin. Amen. And so when you call upon Him and receive for Him, you are accepting for yourself the sufferings. So notice again, Romans 6 doesn't use the singular pronoun, it uses the plural pronoun. Therefore, in light of these things, we were buried with Him. If we were crucified with Him, and then He was buried after His crucifixion, then it only goes uh, to make, uh, you know, uh, it only goes without saying, or, or whatever I'm trying to, uh, articulate here that we were buried with Him. If we were crucified with Him and, and then He was buried after His crucifixion, then we were buried, in, and the Bible of course confirms this, we were buried with Him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even we also should walk in newness of life. Verse 5, For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, so notice, participation united together. Amen. How many times have you heard or said over these past few weeks, we're all in this together? Amen. Well, I understand that. Uh, that might be a little bit of offensive to some of our healthcare workers. <laughs> John Mark looks like he's going to, to Mars uh, when he goes into the ICU, right? I mean, he's got the face shield and all this stuff. So you know, it's easy for us to say, yeah, we're all in this together, buddy, but you know, you're a... Uh, but praise God, He's covered by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Um, so we are all in this together, but uh, it's, it's kind of like that story about the, uh, the breakfast, you know, comparing what the chicken contributed to the breakfast versus what the pig contributed to the breakfast. Amen? So there's some folks that are making a much bigger sacrifice uh, than others. All right? Amen. But notice again, for if we have been united together in the likeness of His death. If we were crucified with Him, certainly we also shall be united together in the likeness of His resurrection. We were buried with Him. We were raised up together with Him to newness of life. This is why Romans 6.11, drop down a few more verses, it says, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, Reckon is not something you do with your spirit. Reckon is something you do with your mind. Your mind's a part of your soul. So whether you've ever had this explained to you or not, you were crucified with Christ. You were buried with Christ. You were raised up together with Him. And reckoning is when you begin to consider it. When you begin to see yourself as someone who was, was sins have already been uh, paid for and, and, and punished. Um, and, and now you're free from that because... You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, if, if, if someone committed a crime and was convicted, went and served the sentence, and then there comes a day when, when they go free. The punishment has, ha, has been, you know, extracted. The, 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 the sentence has been carried out. Um, and now that, that person is, is, is no longer, you know, obligated uh, to serve uh, punishment for, for that crime. Well, this is exactly what happened to us, except for we, Jesus took that for us, and now we are free from sin. Okay? So, one last verse, then we'll look at a few more before we finish this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, 
in verse number 4. Um, so reckon is speaking again of participation. Now Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us. One more time. But God who is rich in mercy. Aren't you glad He's rich in mercy? Aren't you glad that He loves you and not just a little bit? Because of His great love with which He loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, what did He do? He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. He raised us up together. Notice participation, together. He raised us up together and made us sit together. Again, the participation doesn't stop with the resurrection. We are participating in the fruit of His suffering. In that now we sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Man, I hope you're being overwhelmed with wonder this morning as you consider these things and the depth and the richness and, and the, the multidimensional aspects of our salvation and new birth and what it is that we're really celebrating today. I've told you this over and over, but let me tell you again, right? Jesus didn't come to this earth to make Himself right before God the Father. He didn't come to this earth to make a way for Him to be a son of, of God the Father. He came to this earth so that you could be right with God the Father, so that you could be a child of God. The Son of God became a son of man so that the sons of men could, be some, could, become, sons, could become sons of God. Amen. All right, turn with me now to Hebrews, the 12th chapter. I think we've got time uh, for a little more. Can you take a little more this morning? Amen. I heard all those amens. All right. Um, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 18. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 18. One of the things, that's why I was encouraging you uh, before I got into the message this morning to join us on Wednesday evenings. Um, there's lots and lots of people on planet earth who've been born again but have no idea what happened to them when they were. Lots and lots of people on planet earth who, who have um, received salvation but really have no idea what they received when they received salvation. Many, many people became a new creation in Christ Jesus but they have no idea who they became the day they became that new creation. They have no idea what's true about them now. And those are the things that we're talking about and digging into uh, in great depth on uh, Wednesday evening in our time together. And so really, really, really want you to benefit from that and, and, and understand that. Um, you know, a lot of times we, we look at these things like Easter and we celebrate it as, as a historical event. It's, it's, almost, it's almost like in our, in our minds, you know, we, we think of this more in terms of something that happened a long time ago um, and, and we celebrate that. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that's necessarily a wrong thing, um, but it's more than just something that's, that's, that's past. Amen. Um, it, it, and what I'm trying to say is what Jesus did on that first Easter morning, that first resurrection morning, um, has tremendous life implications for you and me this morning and will have tremendous life implications for you and me tomorrow morning and the morning after that. In other words, it's not just a historical uh, you know, event that we celebrate. If that's all Easter is to you, it's something that happened a long time ago, then you've missed the whole point of why Jesus did it. And, and even when we talk about the futuristic um, aspects of it, again, this is a, a common mistake that people make.
because they think more in terms of he died on the cross so that I could be forgiven for my sins. Now I'll go to heaven one day when I die. And notice we go from historical event that only has futuristic uh, implications or futuristic benefits for us. Um, Jesus did not just die on the cross to secure your eternal destination. Okay? Um, he died on the cross so that you can experience daily victory in life. And so this is why it's so important for us to understand these things. Because he got up out of that grave. Because he got up out of that grave, you can get up out of your bed. You can get up out of your uh, depression. You can get up out of uh, uh, your affliction. Wh whatever. Amen. There's nothing you can't overcome. A good friend of mine, Daryl Garrett, He's the uh, chief operating officer at the Foundry. He sent me something last week, and, and it, it's, it was so simple but so profound. He was talking about the three days and nights that Jesus spent in the grave, and we know that he didn't just lay there asleep. He went into the belly of the earth. He went to hell itself and, and, and just stomped the mud hole in the devil, to say it that way, praise God. And, um, and he led captivity captive. But what Brother Darrell was sharing with me was, that was the darkest day ever, um, heaven and in earth. Um, those days that Jesus separated from God the Father, separated from the Holy Spirit um, in the belly of the earth. And his point, from point, his point being, though, that because that was the darkest day ever, um, every, every day since then is a good day. Every day since then is, is a day of light. In other words, if it truly was the darkest ever, then the worst is behind us. Amen. And this is why we can have an attitude that says good things coming. Amen. All right. Hebrews chapter 12. Let's begin at verse number 18. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire into blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I'm exceedingly afraid and trembling. Now, I love a good before and after picture. Um, I, don't, I don't know about you, but, you know, um, I like to watch uh, home remodeling shows and, th and things like that on TV. I've learned a lot over the years of, uh, you know, from, from those kinds of things. Uh, or how about car restoration? You know, there's a lot of good shows on uh, the learning channels and discovery channels and what have you, you know, where they'll, uh, you know, take an old clunker of a car and, and rebuild it, take it apart, and put it all back together, make it all like new again. And so there's, there's something about, you know, just having before and after right there next to one another, um, you know, to be able to, to make the comparison. And that's what we have here um, in Hebrews 12. We, we've got uh, a picture of things before the blood of Jesus, before His crucifixion, before His death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And then we've got verse 22 begins with the after picture. In other words, how things were before and how things are now. Um, I'm not going to try to teach the entire book of Hebrews <laughs> this morning. But if you've read or studied the book of Hebrews, then you know that one of the common themes... Uh, throughout the book of Hebrews is comparing the old covenant with the new covenant, the old priesthood with the new priesthood, with the old, sacrifice, the old sacrifices to the new sacrifices and, and helping us understand 
the difference uh, between all those things. And obviously we're getting close to the end of the book. Um, and so some of the things that are condensed here in a few verses are things that have been expounded upon earlier in earlier chapters. But what we have here is this episode where God brings, um, Father God brings His people out of slavery in Egypt um, and now they're on their way to the promised land and He comes down to visit with them and He sits on top of the mountain and the mountain is burning and melting and, and His voice is like a trumpet and the people are afraid and <clears throat> matter of fact, they even, they even tell Moses, Moses, tell him not to talk to us anymore. Um, if he's got something to say to us, this is the New Winslet International Version, but basically it says, you know, Moses, if God's got something to say to us, let him tell you and then you tell us. Um, and and, and it's, 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 uh, it's a sad thing. And it's, and it's not that God was trying to scare them, okay? Um, but the Bible says that it's a terrible thing, um, you know, to, to fall at the judgment of God um, without having received Jesus. Um, he is a just God. Amen. And, um, and so we see that the people were, were, were afraid and, and um, it, it just, it, to way oversimplify this, it didn't go well. Right? And now we come to verse number 22. He, he's basically saying, notice verse 18 says, you have not come. In other words, this isn't you. This is not what things are like for you. And why are they different? They're different now because Jesus has bore the sins of all humanity for all time. Amen. So instead of a, a mountain with fire and blackness and darkness and tempest, we come to verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. Doesn't this sound better? Amen. To the general assembly. This, this uh, general assembly here, that sounds so uh, uh, formal. Um, uh, back, and I'm thankful for the years that I spent in the assemblies of God. They have the, the general council. You know, you, you almost like this general assembly, it sounds so formal. I almost picture like the House of Representatives or or our Senate, you know, in those uh, hallowed halls and these kinds of things. The literal translation of General Assembly is a festal, F-E-S-T-A-L, like festivity, a feastal or festal gathering, okay? Um, can I tell you what we would call that? A party, a celebration, right? A festal gathering. You've been called to a festival. A festival, amen. <laughs> Matthew's in the room with me this morning and, and he has said something for years like uh, if the kids are being too rambunctious or something like that, he'll say, hey, this isn't a festival, right? In other words, he's trying to rein them in, right? And so, but we've, we've been, <laughs> we have been called, kind of reminds me we were kids at the table and couldn't quit laughing, right? Amen. <laughs> You've been called to a festival, amen. I believe, like, Praise God. Heaven's a happy place. Heaven's a fun place. Amen. You, know, you get this idea, everybody walking around real solemn. No, 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 man. They're having a good time up there. Praise God. You have been called, but you have come. And 
have now arrived to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who were registered in heaven. We're registered there. Amen. To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Wow. See, your spirit, that part, is what we're learning on Wednesday nights. I'm not going to try to reteach all that. Your spirit's been made perfect. Your spirit is justified before God, the real you. To the spirits of just men made perfect. Verse 24, Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. We've been called. We've come to. We've answered the call. We've come to these things. We've come to Jesus. But you have come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. The blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Again, the comparisons are in the, in the Old Testament we know that Moses dipped a hyssop branch. Think of a deer antler that, that, has, that hasn't molted yet. Um, it's, it's a branch that's got some nap to it. He dipped it in a laver of animal blood and he, and he sprinkled it on the people and it represented a cleansing, a purification. But notice this was something taking place on the outside of them. He said this is the blood of the covenant. Remember Jesus, the night that He was to be betrayed. He handed them the cup and He said this is the cup of the new covenant. He didn't say dip your fingers in it and sprinkle it. He said drink it, take it in. But the difference here between the blood of sprinkling and just the blood that was shed is that the blood of sprinkling is speaking of it being applied. It's the application. You see, it's one thing for Jesus to have shed His blood for the sins of all mankind. It's another thing for that blood to be sprinkled on you, for you to come to the blood of sprinkling, for you to allow that blood to make you a new creation in Christ Jesus. And notice he says, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Well, we're going to jump back in here next week, but let me just talk to you just a minute about that. The Bible says in Genesis, when Cain killed Abel, that Abel's blood spoke to God. The voice of his blood spoke to God from the ground that had absorbed it. Wow. And that blood, Abel's blood, was crying out for vengeance. It was crying out for judgment. It was crying out for punishment. Okay? And that blood continued to cry out until Jesus silenced the voice of Abel's blood by shedding His own blood. His own blood. You realize the blood of the Creator fell from His body as He hung on that cross and soaked into the same earth that Abel's blood all those years ago soaked into. And yet, that blood was then poured out on the altar in heaven. And the Bible says that blood is now speaking on your behalf. It is a 24, there's no clocks in heaven. I'm talking about a way you can understand it. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, for all of eternity, that blood, the blood of Jesus, will be speaking better things on your behalf. Well, that's something to get excited about right now. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, thank You for Your great love. Thank You for the sufferings of Jesus. You allowed Him
Him to suffer in our stead, in our place, so that we could be free, so that we could be whole, so that we could be strong and well again, so that we, Father, could have not a cry for judgment and vengeance and punishment against us, but instead the blood of Jesus speaking better things, the blood of Jesus saying things like, I will remember their sins and lawless deeds no more. I thank You, Father, today for that precious blood. I thank You that Jesus died on that cross and I died with Him. That He was buried and I was buried with Him. That He was raised up and I was raised up with Him. And that He ascended to Your right hand and I ascended with Him. Father, may we understand what it means when the Bible speaks of the fellowship of His sufferings, our participation in these things with Him. And Lord, let the reality of those truths transform our daily lives to the glory of Your name. We pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You be blessed. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. I'm going to keep saying it. Amen right there in your family. And let's uh, look forward together uh, to the time um, that we'll all be in this building with one another again. Amen. We'll see you Wednesday night. If you need anything, please call. Keep praying for one another, supporting one another, reaching out to one another. And once again, good things coming.